In this week's market update, China slows, financial conditions tighten, but earnings grind higher. Stock markets are just about hanging in there. Up year on year, but down year to date. The list of things to worry about is long, but the underlying driver of share prices, corporate earnings, continues positive. The S&P 500 was open on Monday while the rest of us enjoyed the last day of a four-day Easter weekend. But trading volumes were 20% below recent averages and the main US index ended the day flat after another disappointing week in the run-up to the holiday. At 4,400, the S&P is bang in the middle of its 12-month range, trading on around 19 times earnings, which is probably at the top end of where it should be in the face of rising interest rates, persistent inflation and slowing earnings growth. The FTSE 100 at 7,600 is closer to the top of its one-year range, reflecting our exposure to the best-performing energy and commodity sectors. But attention at the beginning of this week has been less on the US and Europe than on China, where the central bank has announced a raft of measures to shore up the country's weakening economy. A list of 23 separate measures is designed to support infrastructure spending, boost the property market and provide funding to industries hit by the pandemic. On that front, Shanghai remains in focus as the lockdown of the country's leading financial and commercial hub continues with no end in sight. The shutdown in late March was due to last only a week or so, but the city of 25 million remains under severe restrictions with knock-on impacts for global supply chains and so inflation. Last week, the People's Bank of China cut the reserve requirement for banks by 25 basis points in order to inject some liquidity into the financial system. But the central bank has so far refrained from cutting interest rates. It may have to go further if the economy slows from here. The latest GDP figures for March cover the period before the Shanghai lockdown, so the 4.8% growth rate, which was better than expected, may not tell us much about what's going on and may not last into April. Despite the better-than-forecast headline figure, retail sales contracted for the first time since July 2020, indicating the ongoing pressures on the Chinese economy. That has led many analysts to cut their forecasts for Chinese growth to as low as 4.3% for 2022. The government has a 5.5% target, itself much lower than historic rates of growth going back 30 years or more. The days of double-digit Chinese growth are clearly in the past now. Turning back to the second major concern for investors, tightening financial conditions as the Fed ramps up its fight against soaring inflation, the week ahead has plenty to watch out for. First, three of the world's main central bankers are due to make speeches, which will be closely watched for hints as to the future path of policy. Jay Powell at the Fed, the ECB's Christine Lagarde and the Bank of England's Andrew Bailey are all due to update markets on their latest thinking. Expectations are in a state of flux at the moment. In the US, for example, the futures markets were pointing a week ago to a sharp rise in interest rates to 3% or higher, followed by a pretty rapid retreat as either inflation was beaten or the economy starts to suffer from higher rates. Now the pullback looks less dramatic. Maybe rates really will stay a bit higher for a bit longer than investors hoped. 
That fear has pushed the 10-year Treasury bond yield up to around 2.85%, its highest in several years. And crucially, it's nudging the real inflation-adjusted yield on those benchmark medium-term bonds back towards positive territory for the first time in a long while. Positive real yields, which result from yields being higher than expected inflation, are required to constrain economic activity, which is what the Fed is trying to achieve to tame rising prices. What real yields of close to zero are also telling us is that inflation is expected to fall back significantly from today's high levels to closer to 3%, above central bank's 2% target, but much less concerning than the current 7 to 8% level. It's worth pointing out that this doesn't mean that the cost of living becomes any easier, but it's an inevitable consequence of the year-on-year comparisons becoming more favourable. Another knock-on impact of rising bond yields is that the amount of outstanding government debt paying investors a negative yield has tumbled. Today, $2.7 trillion of government debt yields less than zero. That's the lowest figure since 2015 and represents a sharp fall from the $14 billion at the end of last year. What this in turn means is that investors are likely to be marginally more interested in sheltering their money in the relative safety of government bonds if it's not costing them anything to do so. When it comes to those 10-year US Treasuries, the yield of nearly 3% is starting to look quite interesting compared with the yield available on more volatile shares. It's one reason why the recent flurry of speculation about the death of balanced equity bond portfolios may have been exaggerated. The key question surrounding the Fed is whether it can tread the fine line of raising rates high enough to tame inflation, but not so high that the economy falls into recession. The evidence from history is that overshooting the neutral zone at which policy neither stimulates nor constrains activity has always led to a recession in due course. Goldman Sachs said this week that there's a 15% chance of a US recession this year and a 35% chance within 24 months. Neutral interest rates are thought to be around 2.4%. The third worry for investors today, the war in Ukraine, has changed but certainly not improved. Although early expectations of a rapid victory for Russia were quickly shelved, the war has simply shifted into what looks like a costly war of attrition on the Eastern Front in the Donbass region. Apart from the heavy human toll of that, the implications for the global economy and financial markets are significant. In particular, it means that the standoff between Russia and the West is likely to become normalised in a new Cold War, with implications for energy supply and, by extension, inflation. For the countries most exposed in Europe, the risk of recession looms large. For many analysts, this is now a base case for the region, explaining in part the sharp fall in the value of the euro versus the dollar, which of course is benefiting from rising rates and the relative insulation of the US economy from the effects of the war. The World Bank, meanwhile, has lowered its global economic forecast from 4.1% to 3.2%, including a contraction in Europe. In uncertain times, one beneficiary is often gold, and true to form, the precious metal rose to its highest level in a month on Monday, coming within a couple of dollars of $2,000 an ounce. The oil price, meanwhile, is steady at around $110 a barrel. 
like shares in the middle of the recent range. Despite all the mounting concerns for investors, shares are holding their own. The principal reason is that earnings are continuing to offset an ongoing reduction in valuation multiples. A week into the first quarter earnings season, things look so far so good. Earnings are up about 7.5%, although this is a bit higher than the number crunchers at FactSet, a data company, think they will end up once all the results are in. It's looking for earnings growth of closer to 5% this quarter, led mainly by the booming energy sector, where profits are benefiting from the high price of oil and gas. This week, we get a further 67 S&P 500 companies reporting, including a few high-profile names such as Tesla and Netflix. Other key announcements include Procter & Gamble, American Express, and a couple of airlines, American and United. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.